Our hearts are steadfast, O God. Our hearts are steadfast. We will sing and make music today. Awaken our souls. Awaken our musical instruments. We've come to awaken this day to your glorious praise. We praise you among the nations. We sing of you among the peoples of Edinburgh, the Lothians, and Scotland. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And as we draw near to you through our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would draw near to us and bless us today. Teach us your ways. Show us your glory in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, welcome. My name is Paul Rees, and I serve as the lead pastor at Sharp Chapel. I've had a bit of a break, a sabbatical, and a holiday. And although I must confess to feeling some tension and anxiety stand up in front of hundreds of people, it is a joy to look out at so many family and to see your faces again. I've missed you, and it's great to see some uh, new faces uh, of folk who are visiting us today. A very warm welcome to you. I hope uh, you enjoy being with us. Stick around after the formal time is over. There'll be tea and coffee served, and hopefully you'll get a chance to uh, meet other people. People will greet you, and you can greet others, and you can talk about hopefully what you benefit from gathering here today. And it's a joy to see some old friends uh, with us today as well. So a warm welcome to you all. Uh, you'll see scattered around the building and also lots on the, on the wall on the way out uh, of information about fringe events that we're hosting um, uh, through August. And uh, there's some great stuff going on. You're very warmly welcome to come and be a part of that. And actually, if you would enjoy uh, serving in some teams, it would help uh, as we look to open up the building, make people feel welcome. And you can actually be involved with that by going to the welcome desk and, and, and they'll have some information of where you could usefully serve. You could sign up and be a part of that. That would be a great help. We've got a few people away today because the Contagious uh, Conference, Bible Conference is on. And uh, let me give you a taste of what they're going to get. We're going to show the video. Contagious conference is happening all around the UK, but the, uh, the Scottish and North England one is happening right now, and a little bit later we'll be praying for them. Please pray for them this week. It's always a significant week in the, in the lives of the young people and even the leaders as well, so uh, please be remembering that in prayer. Now, um, children up to primary four, those who are finishing primary four uh, in regular school will be heading out for some classes now, so if you're eight, nine, you can be heading out now. And as they do that, why don't you turn and greet someone new, make them feel welcome, say hi.
Well, if I could encourage you to um, pause those conversations and uh, please pick them up at the end of our formal time together with Team Coffee. You can continue those great conversations you were having. Uh, Dan is going to read the, the New Testament Bible reading, and before that, tell us about another great opportunity to serve Dan. Over to you. Well, hey, church family. Oh, very loud. Uh, just a quick notice before our reading, which is that we have members of our church body who really want to come to church every Sunday morning, but they can't because they have mobility issues, they can't get the public transport in. So we're looking for members of the church who would love to help them in a really practical way. If you have a spare seat in your car, let me know, and uh, we can chat and arrange for you to help someone into church each Sunday. So if you think that's you, then come find me, and we can sort that out. Now, our Bible reading today is from Hebrews, so if you don't have a Bible, do stick your hand up, and one of the lovely stewards will come and bring you a Bible. So it's the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 to the end. Now there have been a great many of those priests since their death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, for, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Do stand now as we sing. Peace. 
you so much, musicians, for leading us. And before we uh, come again to uh, consider the book of Exodus, uh, let me just pray once more. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, please reveal more of your glory to us today. Illumine our hearts by your Holy Spirit to see the good things that are now already here in your Son that we find shadowed in your law. Amen. Well, I allowed my children uh, to have smartphones in their later teenage years. And uh, before the age of 18, though, I had to be the account holder. Uh, And I'll never forget the day that the bill came through for one of my daughter's phone accounts. It was well over a hundred pounds just for that month. And of course, you can dig into the details and there was a particular phone number that kept coming up. It was being phoned all times of the day and well into the night and for long periods of time. And so when my daughter came home, I said, unlock your phone and hand it to me. What, what, Dad? What, what? Give it. Put the number in. And I could not believe my eyes when I saw it was linked to a young man called Finn. (laughs) And it was then that I knew that love was brewing. Because when you love someone, You just can't think of anything more exciting than to talk to them, uh, to to share your day, to talk about your struggles, to talk about what you, you know, what you're excited about, get their input and help. And certainly it worked out okay for Beth and Finn. And the thing that made me realize that Finn was a keeper was when he offered to pay half the bill. So, (laughs) lads, there was a bit of... uh, wisdom there for you if you want to hear it. And when someone we love gets in touch, it's not a burden, is it? We're excited. We long to hear from them. Well, God loves his people. And God loves it when his people come and talk to him, and we call that prayer. But how is it that we can come and speak to God? I was listening to a YouTube conversation this last week with three people discussing how to counter some of the disinformation about electric vehicles. And they talked about the, um, how they needed to lobby the government to overturn some of the narratives. And then one of them believed that they were making progress because he had a phone number for the cabinet minister for energy and for net zero on his mobile phone. He had access to talk with the person with authority over this area. But how do you get God's mobile number? How do you get God to pick up the call? How can you be certain that he'll be happy to hear from you and to listen to your concerns? One of the books I'm reading right now is a historical fiction about the War of the Roses. Uh, And then in in that medieval period, uh, the king had all power and authority. And if you wanted to effect real change, you had to have access to the king. He was the person who could really make things happen. He could do whatever he wanted. Access to the king was therefore protected and guarded. It was a big deal to get to stand before him and, and make a request for justice to be done for favors to be granted, for protection to be offered. So how do you get access into the throne room of heaven? How do you get to the place where all authority is invested and all power is present to effect whatever the divine will is? How do you get access before that throne room? Well, that sort of access should surely top having a cabinet minister on your mobile phone or even a prime minister or a president. Well, to get that answer this morning, we're actually going to dig back into the book of Exodus. So please open your Bibles again to the book of Exodus. 
we're going to be considering another piece of the furniture in this tent called the tabernacle. Now, if you're new today and you've just, this is the first time you've walked into church, this might sound so obscure and esoteric. But actually, if you were here when we were doing the early bits, you know this is dead exciting. So hang in there. It's well worth paying attention because what we're discovering as we look at the book of Exodus, as we look at the, uh, the details of the tabernacle, is that God was teaching his ancient people, Israel, how they could draw near to him. We're going to learn from Exodus today how we can draw near to God. How can we get his mobile number? How can we get access into his throne room? How can we get God to pick up the call so he's happy to hear from us? So please turn to Exodus chapter 25 to begin with. And let's just remind ourselves of how this section opens up. Exodus chapter 25, you'll find this on page 83. Exodus chapter 25, page 83. Through Moses, God invited the Israelites to give of their resources and their skills to build this special tent called the tabernacle. So Exodus 25 and verse 8, it says this. God says to Moses, Then let them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle... And all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. They were living in tents, wandering from Egypt to the promised land. And God says, I want to make my home with you. Build me a tent. It will be in the center of the gathering of your people. And I will journey with you as you head to the land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now notice from verse 8, they had to make it exactly like the pattern that God showed Moses. Which means to say that every detail here is God's design. Now I'm not saying I know what every detail signifies, but every detail is God-given. And it's repeated twice. As you, as you read the end of Exodus, you get all these details laid out in their entirety again. It is very significant. This is a big deal. This is the purpose of the whole exodus, that we get to live with God and enjoy relationship with God, that God would be the center of our lives, the center of our church, the center of our community. And as we read through the Bible, there's a clear connection between this earthly sanctuary and the heavenly sanctuary, the spiritual sanctuary, the very throne room of heaven. And by choosing to follow through these instructions, they could have access to God. They could experience the blessing of God, His presence in their lives. Now, why is this relevant to us? Well, we've been singing about it already, but let me spell it out. Uh, As the New Testament writers uh, point out, particularly in Hebrews, this that we read of in Exodus is a shadow of the good things that are now already here because of Jesus Christ. These are all pointing us forward to the person and the work and the ministry of Jesus, which is why they are of incredible relevance to us today. Jesus Christ, as John's gospel puts it, as they'll be learning at Contagious this week, he is the word who became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. He specifically makes a link. Jesus tabernacled amongst us. Here is the reality that the tabernacle foreshadowed. And that's why we've been slowing down to consider each part of the tabernacle. We're looking at the shadow to better understand the reality of Jesus so we get to know the good things that are now ours, that are now already here. And this morning what we're going to consider is the incense altar. So turn to chapter 30. The incense altar. Now, what did it foreshadow? And really, the, we've got to think through this morning. How is it that Israel's prayers ascended to God? Well, let's read some of the details here. You'll find it on page 88 in the, in the church Bibles. Here's a description of what God wanted them to make. So chapter 30, verse 1. Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. 
It is to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide and two cubits high. Its horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the molding, two on each of the opposite sides to hold the poles used to carry it. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Now, we don't know exactly what it would have looked like, but there's a reasonable representation of it on the screen there. You'll see uh, various uh, versions of it. We're not exactly sure, but that fits what it could have looked like. And then the significance of this golden altar seems to relate to its position. If you look at verse 6, put the altar in front of the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law before the atonement cover that is over the tablets of the Covenant Law, where I will meet with you. The tabernacle tent, you'll see on the graphic there, was divided into two sections. The smallest space at the back was the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the, Cov- of the Covenant was placed, with a solid gold lid with the sort of the cherubim and their wings over the top of it. This was, uh, in the NIV, it's, it calls it the atonement lid. It's also known as the mercy seat, which I actually, I love that description. We'll get to why. It's the mercy seat. And this is the earthly representation of the throne of God. And as verse 6 makes clear, it is before the mercy seat, the atonement cover, that God promised he would meet with his people. Only once a year on the day of atonement would the high priest be able to enter into this space, the holy of holies. It was veiled from the rest of the uh, tabernacle which was just called the holy place by this curtain. We're going to think about that curtain next week. The high priest on every other day of the year would have only entered the holy place, this larger first space within the tabernacle tent. Now, there were three pieces of furniture in that space, but today we're just going to consider the ark. Uh, um, we're going to consider the, the golden altar of incense, which was the closest thing to the ark of the, of the covenant. Think about this. As the priest stood before burning incense on this altar, this is as close as he would get to the very presence of God for 364 days in a year. As the high priest stood by the incense altar, he stood before the mercy seat with nothing but a curtain veil in between. That altar of incense was intimately connected to the mercy seat. This was the place where the high priest could stand before God and talk to God. As verse 7 in chapter 30 tells us, Aaron's task as the high priest was to burn incense on the altar. Look at verse 7. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight so that incense will burn regularly before the Lord for generations to come. Well, being as Dan Boshoff did a little... Visual on Sunday night. Let's see, let's try the visual here, shall we? Right. Now, what is the purpose of burning incense? Not a lot when it goes out, right? You'd be mesmerized watching that. Was it sort of an air freshener? I mean, animals would be sacrificed outside. There'd be a whole range of smells. There's a smell of blood. You know, is the, is the fragrant incense there to, like an air freshener? Well, it, you know, it, it, would have, it would have made the holy place smell much sweeter than the rest of the courtyard for sure. But I think there's, a, there's something more significant going on there. There seems to be a very strong connection between their prayers being heard 
and the priest offering incense at the golden altar. The prayers of the Israelites were heard before the mercy seat because the high priest was offering incense at the altar. Now let me show you a few verses that make that connection. So uh, if you turn with me to Luke chapter 1, uh, which you find on page 1025, Luke's Gospel chapter 1. And this is foretelling the birth of John the Baptist. Zechariah the high priest, if you look at verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the, time for the burning, uh, when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. The time of the burning of incense was the time of the prayers of the people ascending before God. How or why should a holy God listen to the prayers of sinful people? It seems as if their prayers were not enough. They had no merit in themselves that made them worthy of being heard by God. But in some way, if they prayed in dependence upon a high priest who was interceding for them, their prayers surrounded by clouds of sweet-smelling incense rose up before God and they were heard and accepted by God. Now you can read something similar to this in the book of Revelation. If you turn to the book of Revelation, page 1,239. Revelation chapter 8. Here we have a vision of what happens in the heavenly sanctuary before the throne of God. Revelation chapter 8, and look at verse 3. Another angel, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. Seems like the uh, earthly tabernacle is a pattern of the heavenly sanctuary. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Do you see that the smoke of the incense in some way represents and surrounds the prayers of God's people ascending before God's heavenly throne? And the prayers offered on earth, having reached the throne room of heaven, result in world-changing events back down on earth. That's what we have pictured in Revelation. See, this is what is foreshadowed here in the tabernacle, that to approach God in prayer, you need the sweet-smelling fragrance of incense, and you need a high priest to offer that incense before the earthly representation of the throne of God. So integral to the work of the tabernacle was the ministry of the priests. So if you turn back to Exodus chapter 30. You'll see that the, first, the, the, the few chapters before, if you just skim over the headings, as a description of the priestly garments and the consecration of the priests who would then offer up this incense. In chapter 28, you get a description of what the special work clothes that the, the high priest had to wear. You see a representation of it on the screen in front of you. And it's quite clear that his clothes are there to show he's representing and interceding for God's people. 
So when the high priest went to pray, uh, he's praying on behalf of the people and he's offering incense altar. He, he's on the altar and he's got this um, breastplate upon which there are 12 precious stones. And on each stone was written the name of one of the tribes of Israel, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so that actually as he stands before the presence of God, he is carrying the names of the people on his heart before God. Now as you see this fairly complicated description, you see it's actually no small thing for a sinful people to get to come before God and have their prayers accepted. You need a high priest to intercede for you. You need a unique holy incense to burn on the golden altar. This is just frankincense. I wouldn't dare try and attempt to make the mix. It's forbidden in the text, but this is just frankincense coming up. Can you smell it? It gets everywhere, isn't it? I've really annoyed my wife because I burned one earlier in the house. It's been there all, all, all week, the smell. You need this holy incense. You need a golden altar and uh, that altar itself needs to be cleansed with the blood of the atoning sin offering on the Day of Atonement. That was the lesson pressed home to the Israelites through these tabernacle instructions. Every Israelite knew that they could actually pray to God anywhere. But those prayers were only acceptable because they had a high priest who could draw near to God's mercy seat and to be heard and welcomed because he offered this sweet smelling incense. We get in uh, this in David's prayer in Psalm 141. We'll put that on the screen so you can see this, what David says in Psalm 141. I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. So this is what is foreshadowed in the tabernacle. So what does it speak of? Well, let's think about the good things that are now here. How are our prayers heard by God? And as I said at the beginning, Jesus is the reality that the tabernacle foreshadowed. And my suggestion to you today is that the frankincense speaks of the moral beauty and purity of Jesus Christ. You know, we've, we've got no merit, no more merit than the Israelites had, that God would hear our prayers. We can't expect God to answer our prayers because we're really good people, because we're really righteous, because we have so much integrity. Well, if you know your own heart, you know that's not true. But Jesus taught his disciples that the way their prayers would be heard and accepted by God is if they ask in his name. Have a look at John 16, verse 24. This is what he says. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. God will hear and accept our prayers because of the merit, because of the goodness, because of the righteousness and the blamelessness of Jesus Christ, his son. See, after Jesus lived 30 years of his life, living as an ordinary carpenter, living a life like we have to live, he came to be baptized by John, and Luke records this at his baptism. Heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him uh, in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. As God looked at 30 years of the life of Jesus, this is what the Heavenly Father pronounced. What he saw in the Son was a beautiful, loving righteous, sin-free, blameless life. Here is God the Son in human flesh, whose blameless life is an absolute delight to heaven. And as we come to God in the name of Jesus, 
He is the sweet-smelling incense that surrounds our prayers, that ascends into the throne room of heaven. Two years ago, if you were around at church, you knew that we worked through the Song of Songs. There was great interest in the series. It was never a struggle to get people's attention as we looked at the Song of Songs. And we saw in that uh, love story that it's also a picture, too, of Christ's love for his church and the church's love for Christ. And, you know, the church approaches the throne room of God with a delight in the fragrance of the moral character of Christ. Listen to these opening words from the Song of Songs. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like a perfume poured out. And so John, uh, so Jesus urges his disciples in John's gospel, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. But not only is Jesus like the frankincense, of course Jesus is figured in the person of the high priest. Um, as Christians, we have a high priest who prays for us. Not a mere man on earth subject to our own weaknesses and, and, and to death, but the Son of God himself. As Dan read earlier in our service from Hebrews chapter 7, because Jesus died for our sins and rose again to life never to die, because he lives, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Do you know that the Lord Jesus continues to work? He is at work at God's right hand. He has an earthly ministry, which you can read about in the gospel accounts. But even now, he's at work for his people at God's right hand. He is always living to intercede for us. This is how our prayers are heard. And as we approach God in prayer, we know we have a high priest who intercedes for us. And this is a high priest who understands us. He is a real man. He once lived on earth. He was tempted in all the ways that we are tempted. He was just as we are, but without sinning. And so he knows, he understands the, the weaknesses, the pressures, our temptations. He is sympathetic. And he's a merciful high priest to whom we can come without fear. You know, you feel weak, you feel tired, you feel exhausted. Jesus knows what that is. Come to him. Come through him to the throne. He knows. If you want the mobile phone number that gives you access to God, you can pull out your pocket now, type in the name Jesus Christ. There's your mobile phone to direct access. And God will always pick up the call and be delighted to hear from you. He loves when his people come to him through Jesus Christ. It's on the basis of his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his, his ministry at God's right hand right now that we are received with delight by God as we approach him in prayer. Do you see that the furniture of the tabernacle speaks of the different aspects of the, of the work of Christ? You know, it was quite a few weeks ago now, but we, we looked at the bronze altar, the place of, of the sin offering, and the bronze altar in the courtyard of the tabernacle. It foreshadows what, that Jesus Christ died for us. That he was sacrificed in our place so that our sins could be forgiven and atoned for. And it's his shed blood that reconciles us to God, that makes us forever secure. This is what the bronze altar speaks of. Now the golden altar foreshadows that Jesus was raised from the dead. And, and he lives in heaven ever to intercede for those for whom he died, who are already saved. So the bronze altar speaks of the death of Christ. The, the golden altar speaks of the living, resurrected, ascended Lord Jesus Christ who continues to intercede for us. Incense was to be offered morning and evening perpetually, it says. 
How does he intercede for us? Well, there's, there's at least a couple I can think of. He prays for us to maintain our faith. Um, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You feeling that your faith is weak? Jesus, your great high priest, is interceding for you at the throne room of God. He prays for us as an advocate when, when we fall and sin so that God doesn't reject us. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so what an awesome privilege is ours. In the time of Exodus, you see, um, as one of the regular Israelites, as close as you'd get would have been the, the courtyard, uh, the, the tented area around the tabernacle. Only the priest would have got to go into the holy place and stand before the golden altar, before the mercy seat, with, with, the, with the curtain in between. But in Jesus Christ, we have access through prayer into the very throne room of heaven itself. Like the priests, it's not as if we see the throne of God with our physical eyes. It's currently veiled for us, but we can come and offer our requests to God. And my friends, this is why I love the, the other way of referring to the atonement cover as the mercy seat. What a beautiful picture. Here's the throne room of God pictured in the earthly sanctuary. And what's it called? It's the mercy seat. Do you need mercy? Have you failed this week? Have you let other people down? There's a mercy seat. The throne of God. For people like me, for people like you, weak, frail, limited, pressurized, stressed, anxious, hopeless, there's a mercy seat, and you can get to draw near. What holds us back? What holds us back from coming to God? When you felt stressed and overwhelmed this week, how, often, how long did it take for you to actually turn to God in prayer? I don't know, I'm really thick. Because I, I seem to take a long time of being anxious before it even dawns on me that I should actually bring it before the Lord in prayer. How often did you take the time in the past week to come before the mercy seat? Perhaps uh, when you put on aftershave this week or uh, perfume, whatever it is you want to call that smelly thing you slap on your face... Whenever you put that splash it all over stuff, why do you think about the fact that his name is like a perfume poured out? How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. What a privilege we get to draw near to God through him. What holds us back as a church corporately to gather together in joyful unity and make our request to God? My friends, what were you doing last Wednesday at 8 o'clock? Have a think. What were you doing? Was it useful? Were you just watching telly? What were you doing? Well, I'll tell you what. You really missed out if you weren't here at 8 o'clock to pray with God's people. It was a privilege. We got to hear the coolest things. We got to hear about how God is at work in Venezuela, in Cuba, uh, what God was doing through the visit of Alec Carla Watt in Papua New Guinea. And it was great to pray together, to approach the throne of grace together. I don't know why our prayer meetings are not absolutely stuffed full. What an awesome privilege is ours. What holds us back? Come to God, where God answers prayer. Approach the mercy seat. Come before the throne of grace. Hear what these 
uh, what the writer of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews chapter 4. I'll put the words on the screen. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? Let's turn to him in prayer now. Let's, uh, let me just lead us in intercessory prayer. Heavenly Father, we approach your throne today as those who've taken refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you for our great high priest who enables us to come before your throne of grace with confidence. We know that we approach the mercy seat through his blood and intercession so we might find mercy and grace to help us in our need today. We thank you for all the young people attending Contagious in Barnard Castle, as well as those who've taken holiday time to serve as leaders. Please fill them with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Open their eyes to see the glory of your Son, so that all would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing have life in his name. We pray you'd especially grant strength and wisdom to Ashley as he leads Contagious Max, and Callum as he assists Ross McNabb leading Contagious Go, and Rachel as she leads the crew with Adam McNinch. As you've blessed this conference week in the past, we ask that you'd raise up a generation of young people with a deep confidence in your word and a bold faith. And we thank you for the word that was sown into the lives of young people at our scouting camps, the Christians in Sport camp and the camp in France where Pierre-Yves has been teaching. Soften hearts so that your word would bring lasting, godly fruitfulness. We thank you for our congregation and for our deacons as they minister to us in practical ways. For Russell Newton... Richard Booth, Bill Anderson, Andrea Doggett, Catherine Garvey, Stephen Patterson, and Roger Pagan. Please grant them rest and refreshment over the summertime so they will return with fresh zeal and wisdom. We thank you for all the financial gifts that have been given as an act of worship. We ask that they would be a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to you, and that you would bless the use of these funds so the gospel would spread and that Christ's kingdom would grow as a result of the work that's happening here at Sharp Chapel. We thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ knows what it is to be exhausted, to be lonely, to be rejected, to experience pain and suffering. And so we bring our brothers and sisters who are experiencing illness and disease. Lord, for the many who are coping with the illness of Alzheimer's and who are seeking to care for those who they love who have Alzheimer's, we thank you that you are the God of peace and that you're able to guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Please give them strength for another day and for another week. Please bring healing and restored energies to those in hospital or having treatment. In particular, remember Kevin Boyce, Stuart and Shirley McLeod, Sarah Patson and Annette Greaves. Please draw near to comfort Fiona and Amanda Gettis as they mourn the loss of Barbara Lyon as mother and grandmother. Help them to find the peace and consolation that comes through trusting the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the restored energies and progress for Peter and Katie Wilson. And as you prepare to return to teach and lead at Rift Valley Academy, would you uh, strengthen them? Thank you for the news of new staff to carry the load. And we thank you for their son, Dan's graduation. Please bless him as he makes this move to Scotland to study aviation mechanics. Thank you for the Karakalak people in Turkmenistan. Lord, thank you that they have the scriptures in their language. And so we ask you to raise up Bible-believing teachers from among their own people so that these people will praise you and know all the blessings we enjoy 
in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that you've brought us together in this family. And Lord, as we talk in a moment over tea and coffee, would you bless our conversations? Help us to encourage each other. Help us to bear each other's burdens, to carry them before you in prayer. We thank you for all the many and wonderful privileges that are ours in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to invite us to continue in prayer by praying together the Lord's Prayer uh, on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Please stand.